Thank you, worship team. We really appreciate your labor and service. So, um, Next week, Jacques will be preaching. Also, the week after Convergence, he'll be preaching. He'll be dealing with a specific topic. Um, and obviously, then there's the week of Convergence in between, where we'll have an evening service at Shavuot on South. So, um, we've been growing used to having sermon series, and that is also our intention to do it in that way, so that we grow deliberately in a specific thing over a period of time. This, however, is, at least for now, is a standalone message. Um, so make sure to listen well, because you might not hear it again. Um, but it will be on um, audio or on YouTube. It will be available, of course, afterwards. But it is a very important one that's been on my heart for a long while. In a way, it's, um, it's a bit of, of a family talk. Um, and I think it's important as we become a more uh, tight-knit community, it's important that we have to guard our relationships, that we have to build uh, trust amongst each other and that we have to deal with each other in our most vulnerable states because that's what we do in church. We kind of open ourselves up in uh, the most vulnerable parts of ourselves in this space because we believe that's the place where we want to do that. But then often... Um, that is also where we get really hurt because we do that. And so we would like to all the more to work on creating a safe space for us and our hearts. Um, and uh, I'm going to just lay down a very simple framework. I'm not going to go into all of the details that I guess one could workshop for quite long, but quite a simple framework of this. Um, for us, how we deal with each other's hurt and sin and shame um, within our community. Just want to say, Aubrey, it's very nice to see you here. I thought I lost that hat in uh, Portugal, so that, that's really. Um, I thought I lost Daniel's uh, yellow jacket and my hat, but then I found Daniel's yellow jacket in one of those pockets that you get in those. You know, those big bags that you don't look in very often and then when you get home you open up all the bags and you you see them so I didn't lose anything <laughs> even Daniel's going <laughs> in Genesis 4 verse 9 um, right off after Cain got angry with Abel um Cain rose up and he killed his brother, as many of you would know. And then the Lord came to Cain and said, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? Now an apath apathetic, lying, responsibility, rejecting, murderous brother would claim he isn't his brother's keeper. But the answer to this question, of course, is a resounding yes. 
Um, and that's why God asks it as, as well. Where is he? Of course, of course, God, of course God knows. I mean, that he would even lie to the Lord and say, I don't know. Um, <laughs> am I my brother's keeper? And the resounding answer to this question is yes. We are our brother's keepers. And therefore, if God would ask of us, where is your brother? We should also be able to know. I'm going to use the word brother a lot. I'm speaking of, of siblings, brother and sister. The term brother is just used in scripture a lot, but the word in Greek is often adelphoi, which means siblings, but it's not translated brother. So um, if I say brother, I mean both. It's just scripture's way of, of speaking. We should know where our brothers are when God asks us, where is your brother? Now, let's say this is, rather than to know exactly where they are right now physically, we should know where they are spiritually and emotionally, and we should be keeping them safe. We should be keeping our brothers within, within God's will, within the paths of peace. Um, that God has for them. It, it is our role to be able to ask God when He says, where is your brother? That we don't say, I don't know. And we, and we like Cain in that moment. Now, if we need keeping, obviously the assumption is clear that if we need keeping, we need help, we need love, we need care when we fall short. Often we're hurting, we're suffering, we are in sin and we're struggling with our shame. Um, and we're close to running away. That's all of our state, isn't it? But in that place, there should be brothers and sisters around us that know where we are. And so the question to all of us is, do you know where your brother is? And are you keeping him? Um, in other words, in Galatians 6 verse 2, it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's a big claim. Now that confirms what I just said. Are you your brother's keeper? Yes, you are. Here you are to even carry his load. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now interesting that in verse 5 of Galatians 6, it says that each one must carry his own load. Just want to make a distinction here. Each one must carry his own load, but we must bear one another's burdens. And the context there is that each one has a load to carry. Your the things that God gave you to carry in your life. There's a lot of Christian responsibility. There's a lot of natural responsibility that is given to each human being. That is yours to carry. It's not my job as your brother to make sure that you've got food to eat when you don't want to work, for instance. That's your load. So each one needs to carry their own load, but we need to bear each other's burdens. And the word burden there, get, it's the sense of that word is, it's too heavy. It's more than my load. My legs can't carry it. I'm struggling, I'm falling. 
There we are called to yoke with each other. We're called to come alongside each other and say, hey, let me help. So we need, we need to use discernment in this space. Often we want to carry others' loads and we actually don't help them because we're carrying a load. Now you're carrying your own load, which is the same thing that they want you to carry of them, you're carrying of yourself. You're also carrying theirs. That's not right. So I'd rather help them to know to carry their load but to carry that which cripples us, our burdens. That's the law of Christ. Christ didn't come to die so that we can do whatever we want and get a free ride. We still have to carry our own load, but for the burden that we couldn't carry, He took it on the cross. And so fulfilling Christ's law is just when we do that for each other. Now you need to know where your brother is at in order for you to be able to to understand when a load is overbearing and is a burden and needs to be carried. And then we need to be there to be our brother's keeper and carry each other's burdens. Now I want to move back from Galatians 6 verse 2 to 6 verse 1 and we get, we're getting practical now. I just shared some heart behind this. We're going to get very practical right now. Um, for most of the rest of this message. Now, I, we, we just read Galatians 6 verse 2, now I'm going to read Galatians 6 verse 1, so we're kind of jumping back one. <laughs> um, interesting, just Galatians, unlike books like Timothy or Titus or Philemon, wasn't written to someone, it was written to a church leader, an apostolic church leader, it was written to a congregation. It was written to everyone. It was rather Baxter congregation, the specific one. So it was this is written from Paul to everyone. It's, it's to be read for all. Okay? Not only for Titus or Timothy. We'll see one written to um, Titus a bit later. That's got implications that's a bit different than this that we need to understand. So written to all. It says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. If anyone is caught in transgression, if you see your brother or your sister in transgression, if you see them wrong, it's not your job to come and tell me or the small group leader. It is your biblical responsibility to restore him. You who are spiritual. You. That's all of us, brothers. That's all of us. It's not only me. It's not only whoever is a leader. You are to restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. When we are caught in sin, and many of us are often caught in sin, and many of us are often in sin, which is not caught. Isn't that so? No. And we're often very, very tough on someone when we hear some leader has been caught in sin. We go, oh. <laughs> but then we think about Peter and uh, about David and we remember that God's grace is more than what we offered people. And it says that when you found someone in transgression, when you see that your brother, you saw him in town one evening and they were d- drunk and ruthless, 
Your aim is to restore such a one. To restore it. That's, that's your heart. In the spirit of judgment. Oh no, sorry. Gentleness. <laughs> Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Because we very easily fall ourselves. So the moment you start lifting your own your own chain, your fall is very near. Okay? The aim is always restoration. Can you remember that? And it is your responsibility to act on what you see. Before God, it's your responsibility, not mine. You cannot come and tell me and say, Hey, I saw Alice. <laughs> I just thought to tell you. I just thought to tell you. <laughs> Alice, Alice sins less than most of us. <laughs> Um, so because it is our responsibility to help restore sound we need to know what to do and it's not always within our skill set to be a part of the full restoration process but then we need to know something about the restoration process so that we can facilitate that well <coughs> but it is still your responsibility as the one who knows about someone's hurt or shame or sin or Transportation or whatever, it's all your responsibility to deal with it in the right way. Mm. Right? Mm. As a brother, as a, as a sister, you can't, you can't look away. You have to do something about it. What you cannot do is just tell someone and then have it off your shoulders. I must say, I get a lot of this. A lot of times people come to me and just tell me something about someone. And somehow they then think that it's off their shoulders. <laughs> and it's not my problem. I cannot do anything with that information, so thank you. So please don't do this. Uh, next slide. We have to ask ourselves, and this is very, very, very important. Ask yourself when you know something about someone or when someone told you something about themselves. Do you have the permission to retell this? Because what you are told, you need consent to retell. That person told you, they didn't ask you to tell someone else. And if you would tell someone else and they didn't ask you to tell someone, and we'll look at a few scenarios just now, you're actually in a sense lying to them. Because what would, you wouldn't want them to know, would you? That you told someone else, just between you and me, I saw someone next to you that you said that you know. You're creating an open door for the enemy to come in there already. What you are told, or what you know, you need consent to retell. So it's your responsibility to know, okay, I've seen something, I know something, I've been told something, I need to do something with this. Your first word of call is always to go to that person on your own, whether it's hurt or sickness or shame, whatever you've come to, you go to that person alone. You talk with them and you pray with them. If that thing needs to be escalated from there on, there must be an agreement 
between the two of you or how this will be done. If they don't want it, then that's how it will be. Then you don't come to me and say, he doesn't want you to know, but I want you to know. You don't do that. Okay? Just so you can pray. No, I don't, want to, I don't want to pray for that. Okay? What you are told, you need consent to read down. You know why this happens? It sounds very terrible, but it's because we really, we start growing in trust relationships so that we trust the people we talk to and we need to offload it somewhere. We've just heard something hectic, and I really, I really trust you. So I'm, you know, keep this for yourself. But I know something about Ruth, and I just have to tell you. Just don't do that, okay? We need to break this thing in our culture. In the whole of in the whole of the church world, it, this is a thing. It's a big thing among church leaders. It's a big thing. I'm trusting that we would break it. And that we would build trust and take responsibility. So do you have permission to retell it? Just to clarify coming to me, so or to any leader, if you would do that, it's 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 very often the case that you wouldn't know how to deal with the situation and you think, oh, I'm just going to, you're just going to tell me in confidence of what you've heard or what you know, what you see. Remember I cannot do anything with that information. Because now if I invite that person for a coffee because I know something that they don't know I know. And they now tell me in that coffee that about the thing because I'm kind of going in that direction. I've been in terrible situations like that, not understanding this very well. Now I need to pretend like I even know I'm lying. No hard I'm lying. Or they tell me, oh wow, that's sure. Like I didn't know. Because if I would tell them I know because Renske told me. (laughs) There goes your friendship, there goes our trust, there goes another person to hopefully another church. Okay? So I, I can't do anything. And it's not something, these kind of things, the person thing, when someone's caught in, in a transgression, when there's real hurt, when there's real issues, it's not something to only pray about. The scripture tells us that we must we must go and address. We must restore such a person. Now you don't restore them by only praying for them. When someone's caught in sin, you go to them between the two of you will see just now. There's an interpersonal component to this that you cannot neglect and only pray and only tell the leader so they can just stay quiet and pray. Are you with me? We need to create a safe environment for our for all of us. And it's not that this is a major issue among us. I just feel that we're becoming closer. And then if we don't get these things right, the enemy uses this to cause help. Okay? And we would still make mistakes sometime, and then we just need to repent about what we, what we have done. Right? We will not always get this right, and sometimes we will say too much and not be sure if we just said too much. And that's okay, as long as you are willing to repent about that and close the loops and to take responsibility for what you have done. So, you need to consent to retell it or ask them to retell it themselves. Say, hey, I really think it would be good if you'd speak to France about this. Just bring this to your small reader. 
please. Because you can't do this on your own. And I'm not equipped to help them. If they're willing to, awesome. If they are not, you can ask them. Can I help? Can I speak to France about this? If they say no, it's no. If they say yes, it's yes. So you need consent. Unless it'll it'll cause bodily harm if you don't. Unless there's a demand from a court of law. Unless you need to debrief it with a professional. And maybe I could add unless if it's public knowledge already. If it's publicly declared, someone come, came to the front in the church service and said, oh, I struggled with this and that sin, I want everybody to know then. You can, but still be very careful to now go and speak to someone about what someone said, because it gets there's assumptions and more wondering and more judging, and that's where gossip then comes out of the book. So, but if something is public, it wouldn't be that wrong if it has to be said. But if it will cause bodily harm, so France comes to me and tells me, listen, I'm going to go to New Vietnam with my baseball bag. He's going to come second. <laughs> I'm going to break confidentiality. I should. I should break confidentiality, right? <laughs> so, that's why New Vietnam is still, you know, in, in prime in prime condition and France is sitting on the other side <laughs> yeah. if there's a demand from a court of law of course then you have to speak out and if you need to debrief with a professional so this is what we often do with our friends we need, we need to debrief it with someone so we, we debrief it with someone that's actually in the same community the same sphere, which is a very, it, it's it's not healthy. So if you really need to debrief something, if someone told you traumatic, traumatic stuff, you need to go and debrief it with a professional. You can come and ask us if you need to be placed in contact with someone, a counselor, not all of it will cost you money. They can be, you can, you can come into contact with someone that understands counseling, that actually counsels, and that is a safe space for you to debrief the things that you've heard and worked through. There is such a space. Um, even with a psychologist, if it's really epic, I just want to say this again. Um, I've been to a psychologist for specific irrational fears that I've had, and I know half of you have also. You can go to a psychologist without charge if you have any sort of medical aid. Okay, it's a prescribed minimum benefit, that's what they call it, right? So, you don't need to have any special plan. Anyone can get access to a psychologist without charge if there's a real reason for it. So, don't feel like I can't have access to professionals. You can if you have basic medical aid. If you don't and you really need, come to us and ask um, for help as well. Okay, so that's that's... Uh, a little bit on confidentiality and consent, on which we could spend a lot more time. But the, the principle is that you don't share unless you know that you're allowed to share. So ask yourself that. Am I allowed to share? Am I allowed to retell? Have I ticked the boxes for me to be able to retell this? And have I taken up my responsibility towards my brother in this space? Market symptoms. Okay. Then just a quick note. Um, we can speak about this for long as well, but small group confidentiality.
Snorkel is also a very um, timid space, but uh, I would leave it to one rule for now. What is shared in the group stays in the group. Even if someone shared something that they really should have done, it still, it still stays there. It gets dealt with there. It doesn't leave the small group space. Okay. Don't tell someone or someone else said during your small group because you think because there were other people in the small group, they don't mind having everyone know. No. The small group is supposed to be that safe place where things are contained. So what is shared in the small group stays in the small group. Same, if it has to be dealt with further, then it's your responsibility to make sure that that's done in the right way. That that person is being talked to and that a way forward is discussed with them on how to deal with a specific hurt or a specific sin or whatever it is. Okay? So that we keep those spaces safe. Now there's another beautiful process in Matthew 18 that speaks right into this. And this is a very important process for all of us to understand very well. Um, and that summarizes many of the things that we have just uh, we have just said. So let me read first Matthew 18, 15, 17. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, so that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So there's a process here of dealing with a brother that's that's in that's in sin. That's specifically in this instance that's sinning against you. Now someone can easily sin against you without necessarily only punching you. If what someone has done or what they're saying or what they're busy with hurts because you're seeing it, their transgression is causing hurt towards you and you see it causing hurt or whatever, it's the same It's the same process. You become aware of something, your first port of call, and I just broke up the scripture to get the process. This is what we do. We don't go to anyone else. We go to that person. Go to him. And tell him his, his fault. Uh, Amplified would help us understand it's to reprove or to rebuke even. It's your job, you that know. Between you and him alone. Are with me? Okay? If, just to be technical, if it is a female and you're a male and you feel uncomfortable or the other way around, you feel uncomfortable approaching someone from the opposite gender. Um, one option might be to say, hey, I want to speak to you, but it's awkward because I don't want to speak to you. Like, from who's a married man might not want to speak to one of the younger ladies on his own. You shouldn't do that. So it wouldn't be wrong for him to say, hey, can I have my wife with? Or if you don't have a wife or her husband just say, hey, let's meet in Greenpoint Park, but just for this, but for, for, um, this is for things to be right, I'll have a friend of mine, she's just close by. You still need to talk about it. Okay? If you need to have a third person there, it's not the end of the world. 
Um, rather than them to not, but just agree that thing with them. But the first step is to go to him, between you and him alone. If he does not listen, you take two or three. So now if he says, oh, I don't care for being drunk in public, it's part of my lifestyle. Now in the church, the church is supposed to be holy and beautiful and someone that doesn't want to repent of obvious sin has not been regenerated. That's, that's the claim here. If someone has an obvious sin and they say, I don't, I don't care, we have to start asking ourselves the question, like, are they really born again? So now we're going through a process to kind of test this, because this is not small things. So then you say, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. So maybe you didn't think it's sin somehow, but I do, so I'm going to take others and I'm going to come to you again. And we're going to talk about this again, so that the others can help me and you to understand what the is going on. If then the thing would be understood well by everyone, but he would say, no, I'm still going to do whatever I want. If he refuses to listen to such a counsel, and that counsel does not have to include me, it includes any one of you. Okay? Um, then he tell it to the church. Now, the word church, unfortunately, there has been. Remember our whole talk about church? In Matthew 18, one of the first places where Jesus uses this word, this new word. This ecclesia word. Now the word church does not mean to does not refer to church leaders actually at all. It refers to the assembly <coughs> people gathered. So if there was been if there's been a process like this with someone that doesn't want to repent of their sin, that should be brought in front of the congregation. And then if that person still says, I don't care, then that person needs to be what we would call excommunicated. So if there's unrepentant sin in someone and they've been through this process, then they cannot be part of the church anymore because they're defining the body of Christ. And it's clear then, it says you must then see them as a tax collector or a gentleman. See them as an outsider. Do not see them as a born-again believer. Because Hebrews 10, 26 says, If anyone therefore continues to sin deliberately, then no sacrifice for sin so it is a test of the genuineness of our salvation that we are always repentant when we are caught in transgression and someone brings it to us and it's clear that a person that's born again will have a desire to acknowledge that. But sometimes we run off and hide it, sometimes we do this and that, but when the thing is brought to the light in this way, the born again believer repents. The one who says, I don't care and I want to stop is then evidence of the fact that he shouldn't be part of, of God's own people because he's not been regenerate on the inside. Okay? So, that's to be brought... So, in, in our Western context, you know, people are, are very touchy. So, the moment you would even, even start with a process like this, people would say, I'm going to go to a different church because this is ridiculous. Or, I don't want to be church anymore. What, what, what. They would find a wonderful reason to just run away. So it never gets to this point. In, for instance, our Burundi community, 
It's a big thing because being excluded from church means you're excluded from a lot of support. You're, you are on your own now. They can't afford it. So this process actually runs all the way through. Whereas we don't ever see that because people just kind of say, I don't really care anyway and I'm going to leave. Okay. But this is how it works. But what, what I want you to understand is that it's your responsibility to go to him and you alone and then look to this scripture on how to take it further. We cannot turn a blind eye to the blatant sin of fellow brother or, or sister because it's Christ's brother that he's returning for and we cannot yeah you understand that we are a church that speaks about about sin um, and about holiness if that's okay with you these are important things to talk about okay then um, there's a last category of this that I also feel to talk about and it's when a brother or sister is causing division. So it's, it's, it's a different kind of, of sin. You still deal with it by the same process that you would in a Matthew 18 situation that you go to someone to have what, what's going on from there. But it's a very important one <coughs> as well because it's got a different outcome than when someone is called in sin. So, Romans 16 says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. Okay? Watch out for those that cause division, those that speak against the teachings or the processes or the decisions in a wrong way. So you've got an issue with the process or the teaching, there's a right way. If I made the teaching or instill the specific process, you come to me and talk about it, but you don't stir up others to kind of go in a different direction with you. That's division and it's from the devil. Mm-hmm. So um, we do those things in the right way. So division is if you bring another vision. Okay? <laughs> so you, now there's not one vision, there's two visions and you need people in a different direction. That's division, and it's uh, the Paul says we have to watch out for those, and we have to avoid them. Now, it, so that's kind of the that's kind of what Paul is saying to the Roman church, and then he speaks to his to a church leader Titus, and he says to him, "As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him." Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. The same wording as if one sins without repentance, not the same wording, the same sense. That person is self-condemned. He just proved the fact that he shouldn't be part of God's holy people. Um, the, the difference here is that the church leaders should ask the one that stirs up division to stop it, please, and then ask them again to stop of it, please, and if they will not stop it, then it says to have nothing more to do with such a person. So, um, there is a time when we actually do not keep a brother because we have to unbrother a brother because the brother doesn't want to be kept. Are you with me? 
Sometimes we want to keep someone in the loop because we are, uh, I don't know, humanistic in our way, but we are defiling the right of Christ by keeping someone and bearing loads and burdens of someone that if we would just follow process would be proven to not be someone that should be part of the church of God and that should never be allowed. Because then his church will never be holy and be pure. And if such a person finds himself outside of the church, they have the opportunity to see more clearly what life is like outside and what this means. And they cannot uh, justify themselves anymore being part of the church and living a specific way or doing things in a specific way. And it gives them a chance to come to repentance again. Now there's a slight difference in the one that doesn't repent from sin to the one that causes division. The one that doesn't repent from sin, we see them as a Gentile and a tax collector. So we see them as an outsider that we truly hope would get back. That we truly hope would get saved. We do not avoid Gentiles and tax collectors, do we? We are supposed to be in their lives. We are supposed to love them. We're supposed to be clear that they cannot be part of the church anymore. But as long as they allow us, we're loving on them as much as we can. That's what you do with Gentiles and tax collectors. You don't go like a Pharisee, Gentile tax collector. You go like Jesus, Gentile tax collector. I want to trust God that you come into the fold. Okay, so that's when the Matthew 18 thing is running scores and someone just doesn't want to end up there. Sin and Hebrews 25 would say that there is no, no sacrifice for sin left. If there's no repentance from causing division, then it's got a, there's a different angle. It said, have nothing more to do with him. Have nothing more to do with him. It says, get away completely. Because your engagement with that person would only try to you know, get you into a different direction. And often those people wouldn't see themselves, you know, they wouldn't become terrible um, sinners. They would have some self-righteous uh, proclamation of a different way that they would try to get you into or whatever. And he says, those ones, for as long as they don't want to repent of causing the division, have nothing more to do with them. So that's like different from the other one. For them, I would, I would pray only and trust God that he would intervene. As for the one, as for the other one, for the one which she, which she has a gentle tax collector, let's get in there and love them back. Okay? Are you with me? So the church of God is to be holy. The church of God is to be without blemish. All the more as the angels near this um, is necessary for us to look into. Um, it will keep us in, ch- in the church all, all, also safe from divisions and of and of sin and of, of thinking somehow, you know, some way of acting causing division or some way of sin is just maybe okay because that person is just always around and sometimes even brings a word, but it's causing havoc and it's not making those in the church be in a safe place. So there's that place where we 
understand that each one has his own load and must carry, and there's that place where there's a bird and there's something they're struggling with, there's something that's too much. Hurt is shameful thing, the sin. We get all in, and it's your responsibility to get all in there. It's your responsibility to deal with that in confidential. To make sure what you retell, you can retell, and that there is a process followed for restoration in confidentiality. Okay? And then our trust is that that brother or that sister will be restored. That's where we're heading. If a brother or sister refuses to be restored, then there is a very unfortunate sad place where someone cannot be a brother or sister anymore and we have to acknowledge that in our own hearts as well. Because that will be away. No, I have no happy ending. <laughs> but I truly hope this would help keep us safe. It would keep the Church of God holy and it would keep us uh, safe. So maybe we can just turn to each other in small groups um, and just share some of the things that has been very real for you from this and that you would want to just get right in your own life um, and if there's any repentance you have to make because you had a misunderstanding of this maybe did it in a specific different way repent to each other and say I don't want to do that anymore I always thought that but now I understand <coughs> that um, so let's gather groups of, of three or four two, three or four and let's share with each other what what I'm um, talking on your heart from this and pray for each other um, as we resolve to be a safe place that cultivates a holy church unto God.